Good day, good day. I do this Australian <laughs> podcast and like my introduction is different. I forgot what show was on. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you. As always, is BOB live in the lounge staring at the Ouija board. Super stoked to have tonight's guest back. I believe this completes the trifecta, the trilogy, the first trilogy of uh, guest spots here on the, on the podcast. Uh, first came into contact with him uh, as a student. He was my instructor at Montgomery County Community College. Uh, he taught me the art of uh, screenplay writing. From that, you know, we stayed in touch. And I guess using the same power and will it takes to craft a really good screenplay, it takes courage. And it also takes a lot of, you know, determination to get done because it doesn't just wrap in like, you know, two weeks. It could take up to a year. Absolutely. He used that same will and determination to basically run and successfully Buster Douglas. <laughs> the previous mayor of Pensacola and is now our current mayor and is up for re-election in 2021. So with that being said, please welcome my favorite college professor of all time, Mr. <laughs> Howard. Thanks, Bob. It's uh, it's awesome to uh, complete the trilogy with you. And uh, I look forward to the next trilogy uh, anytime you want. This is the trilogy, right? This is the, so I, the, first, you know, the first one was, was at... Um, no, there's four of them because there's we've one done that, this a bunch because we used to do the horror movie on. stuff. But regardless, we're here now. Enough <laughs> of the the past, you know what I mean. Tony Soprano said, "Remember when was the least flattering form of conversation?" So let's talk about like what's coming up. So you are up for re-election in 2021, right? Yeah, I mean this went really quick. I, I I'm out door knocking and. People are like, wait, didn't you just come to my door? And I'm like, no, it's been four years. <laughs> so, right, it like, like time just goes so, so incredibly slow. At these, at the, like everything just seems to be like at a halt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just feel like four, my son's good. He's five. And I just feel like he has um, basically, oh, I didn't even have my microphone set correctly. I was so excited. <laughs> um, my son, you know, was born at the beginning of the last, um, the president, when President Trump became, you know, took office and the world basically okay. changed, was right yeah. when I became a dad. And, you know, I have some thoughts about that. I was pretty pissed off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. one, it just wasn't, you know, the, the best of times because it was like so much strife in the community. And like, I, I've never felt that way. And I know that you don't have any qualms about breaking, you know, racial divides, like, you know, like, um, I think that's important that, you know, you have somebody in office who is open towards not just one way of life, but all different ways of life, you know, and it doesn't happen yeah. enough. And now there's like this surge where there's like, um, you know, a whole bunch of the young mayors, I guess would be the name of the film if we ever made one <laughs> in the local area who are changing the, you know, the tide, the course of things. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm stoked about that. And like, look, I, I'm also too of the principal then I'm neither a Democrat or a Republican. I'm just simply a podcaster. I've been registered independent yeah. since 1998, but I'm always going to back the person that does the right thing. And you don't like you don't see it too often. And you're somebody who does that, strives for it. Yeah, I look. I 
And that I mean, like that's what I'm talking about. Like, um, yeah. who has uh, made I've, I've made so many um, references to him over the course of so many years. I should just have him on the show, Clan, if you're listening. But um, <laughs> giving him that gift was just it was awesome. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I so I think um, if you ever want to be inspired look at your local politics going on in your town, in your neighborhood, because people are coming to your door. They need your vote in a year when there's nothing sexy on the ticket, right? There's no president, there's no governor. It's, it's just me. And um, all my voters, you know, live in my neighborhood. So when Sarah and I go to Weiss at nine at night to get eggs, uh, we run into residents and they talk to me about stray cats or whatever else is on their minds. And that really, grounds you and keeps you humble and, and reminds you why you're doing this work. Yeah, there's something to be said about um something about stray cats too. I don't know what it is. I was just <laughs> yes. Superman, right? And like uh, tying it all together. I mean like there's a moment in the original film where he he helps a cat get out of the tree and it's always like this like thing in your mind where it's like yeah. helping a, a cat. I've never I've I've picked up dogs on the road and have taken them back to the SBCA, but I've never I've never come across a stray cat. I actually live in Plymouth Meeting where there is a slew of homeless cats that roam the wow. electrical out there that piss everywhere, man. Oh, I can imagine. Ugh. Yeah. They need so, a local lawman to take care of those uh those kitty yeah, cats. Yeah. So what's interesting, and, and you know, this is something I, I wouldn't have known four years ago, but so we regulate dogs pretty heavily, right? We have, we have to get the license and there's, you know, if there's a, a rabid dog, we call the police. There, there's no law in Kanchakin regarding cats. So if you have a cat problem, the police, like, like there's, there's no law being broken. So you'd have to call like the SPCA or you'd have to call a private catcher. So oh, I never knew that's this. something I learned. Yeah. What are, is there any other type of laws that you learned once you became mayor that was like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we allow um, certain kind of livestock, <laughs> which, which if you think about, Conchokin's a very old town, right? Um, so you know, I, I get calls about roosters, and I'm like, yeah, they're they're allowed. <laughs> so you know, as long as you're hitting it on all four cylinders, six cylinders actually, because yeah. in my neighborhood, there's a rooster yep. just on the other side over here. Won't reveal the location because we don't need people showing up here to the, the lounge, <laughs> but. Every morning I hear it, but lately I've become such a morning person that like I welcome it with welcome, you know, like I, I, I'm so stoked to get up in the morning now just because for years I would sleep in and just like miss out on the whole day. I mean, the nighttime's cool, but in the apocalypse, I enjoy the day more than the night. You know what I mean? I, I think we're just getting old because, you know, filmmakers, night people, and and now because of COVID, I'm just getting up early and starting stuff early. I, I have some pretty good ideas early in the morning where I'm like, you know, like, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just like, I think when it's the same thing, I guess, as nighttime, like when people's minds are asleep, if you're creative, you're able to, I guess, transcend in a way, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. pick up on things that, you know, normal people wouldn't, you know, like, that's what makes good screenplay um, writing. I, I, you heard the uh, episode I did with um, Andre Gower, right? With the, the monster. Absolutely. Squad. Yeah, oh, yeah. When I pitched cool. him, <laughs> I was so nervous. Such a great idea. I know. I, I was so idea. nervous, but I was just like, I got to do it, dude. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. you got to you gotta like have fun with your imagination. And I, I, I sometimes wonder what it's like for people who don't 
you know, like as a, you know, a professor, you've probably encountered this before where people are trying to do something, trying to take your class to become something that they're just not meant to become. Yeah. That always saddens me. You know what I mean? I wish I could just um, tap somebody with a wand and be like, there you go. You're off to Walt Disney World. You know what I mean? So, so the thing about what we do, so I, I teach film and video. The, the thing about what we do is, you know, I, I was a working professional. I lived in Los Angeles. I, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years now and I can look at a film and say, you have the gift and you're going to take a lot of work, if not a major change at some point down the line. So yeah, it can be a tough conversation. Uh, you yeah. always want to help all your students, but I mean, let, let's be real between two artists, right? Uh, you can read a screenplay of knowing someone, if someone has that ability or doesn't, it is art at a certain point. I think it's true with all things too, like stand-up comedy, like watching somebody yeah. bomb, um, you know, somebody, it's weird. Like when you become, when you want to be a musician in the beginning, you're just, you're just trying to figure out songs. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to yeah. figure out how to, to put together a set list. And then you never really think about what it's like when you're going to be up there, you know? Yeah. I wish I could teach, teach a class on that. You know what I mean? There's like no class in any music school that teaches you how to prepare, not just to play the music, but how it's going to look on stage. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like, I've known so many bands, like if people are just listening to the podcast, but I mean, like, you know, so many bands where like the lead singer or something's just tilted off to the side and, you know, doesn't want to be seen or, you know what I mean? Like they're not into it a hundred percent. I feel that way about movies too. And it's hard for me now to actually, um, to just watch any, like anything just because of my, um, I guess going to bed early, but I did watch the original fly and I want to talk to you about that. You've seen that. Oh, so good. Oh yeah. So, so I've never good. seen that before. And like, I, I just doing so this is the Jeff Goldblum yeah the second one sorry, okay. yeah, the, okay. the remake right. of the the original one was that the Universal Studios monster movie by the way the fly Ooh. hey Alexa who put out the original fly that doesn't tell me much Alexa she said Simon Baker released <laughs> okay Google what year was the fly released Oh, I just said Google. It's Alexa. We're moving on. That's not good podcast material. So fair enough, fair enough. this Jeff Goldblum thing is just, it's such a good movie because it's what I didn't anticipate was the psychological body horror. You know what I mean? Like, God. and that's a genre that I've never tapped into just because of like the human centipede, you know, like I just, I watched it, but I didn't feel really good about myself afterwards. But the fly though, <laughs> touches upon like, you know, there's a part where he opens up the medicine cabinet and he's got spoilers. He's got all of his body parts in there. And there's one of them on the far right side. You, they don't focus on it, but you know what it is. I just can't believe it took me that long to see it. And apparently there's a sequel. So Cronenberg has this amazing ability to um, put really terrifying images on screen, but doing it in a way that kind of like what you said, you don't feel like like a creep for watching it. Like you really feel bad for Jeff Goldblum, right? Like it, you you want what's right for him. You want him to survive and find a way out. Uh, meanwhile, he's ripping off his fingernails and, and whatever else. Um, and, and, and that's consistent through all of his films. Like you always root for these characters, even though you're watching something technically horrible on screen. I so I saw Crash not too long ago, and I remember you're probably you're you're very close to my age. 
like we were probably too young to like you know see it in the theater we were kind of kept away from oh, it. i saw it i'm older than you dude i'm 41 You're, you are a bit older um but man is that a cool movie and so twisted and... so so well written too and the, you know what's crazy yeah. thing about it is like um correct me uh he was on entourage what's the screenplay writer's name who wrote that um uh oh gosh i don't, I don't want to go to the internet again here on the, on the podcast <laughs> but i mean he also was tied up with scientology and uh that movie was like right when he was like breaking free of like uh you know their their religious stronghold i guess on him you know because everybody That's in really hollywood's connected to the building in a way but yep. yeah that crash movie uh you know finding out that terrence howard lived right up the street from me after watching that movie was like so like strange because not too long after that he got cast in iron man it was a customer of mine at panera bread on ridge oh. the vegetarian black bean soup for free in a big old bowl you know stealing from panera sorry years later but mm-hmm. i mean i had to hook up you know war machine he was the original war machine That's before right. Cheadle stepped in That's and right. not many That's people right. know like he he got let go from that role because he had just won the oscar and was way bigger than robert downey jr at the time it's weird, right? So people don't remember Iron Man totally resuscitated Robert Downey Jr.'s career. It turned everything around for him for the next, what, 15, 20 years. I, I love him. There's a video on his Instagram page. I don't know if I've ever told my listeners to go do this, but visit it and uh, watch it. It's a few weeks ago when he's dancing to Van Halen's Jump dressed as um, the lead singer. It's wonderful. Um, that sounds great. <laughs> sequels, sequels are tough, right? So sequels... You know, I mean, Terminator 2 comes to mind as being better than the original Aliens. Yep. All tied to, you know, that genre and also, you know, Cameron's world. That also makes me feel that him waiting all this time for Avatar, those sequels will be good and not just, you know. Cameron doesn't really put out bad movies. He just doesn't. Um, One every 10 years, right? I mean, like. Yeah. And they're always massive budget and a huge risk. And he always comes through. I mean, Titanic. I remember the news stories leading up to it. People are like, this is a $200 million movie. He's toast. And then it ended up becoming a $2 billion movie. So yeah, man, that was, I, I remember that where like, this is, this is not going to work. It's too long. You know, nobody's going to yep. sit through it. I, I remember watching that in the theater and just being blown away by the trailer actually first. Um, there, there's one that this one part of the trailer i think it's yeah it's the tail end of it and they cut to black and then they come back and the shot they have after the cut is just the, the top of the ship and they're looking down yeah and, you know like uh it's like when uh just before kate looks at that uh chef guy the camera put in there. you know what i'm talking about the guy in the white he's got the strangest expression inside was yeah. that what, did he have a backstory that we don't you know, <laughs> he probably but, did you know who's notorious for that? And I love talking shop here about movies. And now it's been, you know, he's been ousted as being, you know, uh, not a good person, I guess. But Josh Whedon always puts these, like, weird characters that you want to say they're, you know, they're not supporting or, you know, extras, but, like, something to... It's weird. I don't like... Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. You can't tie people's emotions in with screenplay writing or scenery with people you don't know about. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> yeah. But, and, and, you know, and that's part of the process because things were probably cut. There probably was something there that we'll never get to see. So, you know, it's just part of the process. The whole idea of um, Zack Snyder's Justice League 
yeah, light of day is just so insane to me because I believe yeah. the Justice League came out in 2016, and that's a lifetime ago. Also, <laughs> right when everything, you know, I guess yep. shifted. Um, but yeah, it's just it's wild to me that uh, a studio would back that and give them 70 million dollars. So I, I don't know if they do that in the way they did without COVID because. We're, we're, we're in a world now where you will sit through four hour long episodes and it's not a big deal. Um, obviously we're not probably going to do that mainstream in the theater. So, um, so I think everything kind of hit just right for that to happen. Hold on one second. I got to make sure my dog's not eating my bed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my door's shut. All right, cool. That's how it is here on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen. We ain't cutting no corners here. Keeping we're it real. In the middle. We're getting it all on tape. Uh, and Bob, just to put a little cherry on top of your fly question. Um, so his, uh, so Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg is equally talented and has um, his newest movie is on Hulu called Possessor. Oh, I um, about this. So, and, and a, amazing Sean Bean performance in there. Just, just really, just, he's in it. He's in it just I to be seen awesome. Him in a while. Um, yeah. He's fantastic. And uh Yeah. He, he keeps his dad's like ability to, you know, have those, those horrible gruesome sequences, but also this amazing Not story. gross you out. So, yeah. so that's my question. So like tying it all together, it's not really body horror when you feel something for the person, right? Like feeling gore and like, you know, uh, you know, body dysmorphia. Like, I'm just not into that like type of viewing. Like, I guess I was when that first, remember when it first came out, I know in the seventies it was big, but then it went away and like, saw i guess was the one that brought it all yeah on. so you know we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit because do you consider saw to be body horror in the same way that a cronenberg movie is? no no not at all though right like no? body horror though is i don't know i guess maybe just because in that first movie there's the whole idea of having to amputate yourself but like man it took a dark turn here on the bobcast i know i know well horror you know i mean movies. that's like horror screenplay right <laughs> heart like i've dabbled into it i've done supernatural thriller and it's tough because you when you're writing something you don't want to stretch the audience too much of like well that would never happen you know yeah. what i mean like the, yeah. the true scares and perfect timing here so i can time it bring it in like i'm listening to this podcast right now i'm not sure i didn't text you yet because i knew you'd be on today but it's been you know i've done this now what 291 times I listened to Mark Marin, uh, Whitney Cummings. I listened to Annie Letterman. I listened to lots of podcasts, Smartless. And I've never been into the murder uh, mystery per se. Yeah, yeah. Just never done the whole darkness. But something caught my attention that uh, I think you would like. It's called the Apology Line podcast. Okay. And it's about this guy named Mr. Apology in the early 1980s in New York City who would put stickers up with a phone number, you would call the number and he would say, please remain anonymous, call from a pay phone and apologize to somebody you hurt. And mm -hmm. it just takes a really crazy turn, wow. but it also ties into the whole aspect I've been talking to my wife recently about. As I get older, I realize the art that means the most to me is the type where it is anonymous and you're not sure who made it. Like Banksy, like when I saw that a few years ago, I was like, no way, it can't be true. Robin Hood, you know, like he exists. Yeah. This guy, Mr. Anonymous, it, it, it's creepy. And it also ties into something that I want to bring up to you because I would like you to see if you could be a detective in the, in the trench for me. Back in the day here in this area, there was something similar 
1-800-AXE-KILL, and I'm trying mm. to find him. So if you're listening and you know who Mr. AXE-KILL was, same thing you would call. I would call a lot from the payphone at the Plymouth Mini Mall. He'd always be chewing popcorn too, just like uh, that one scene in Halloween when uh, Annie calls her friend and the popcorn's just loud. Like, that's all I remember, you know, same time. <laughs> But he just had weird ideas and yeah, definitely was crazy. Yeah. But so, uh, you know, I run on the running trail a lot, the SRT. And in fact, that's where I met my wife and proposed to my wife. Um, Pretty cool. I never knew that. So, wait, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little tangent there. So, wait, you met her while running? So, uh, so a good friend of mine from high school, uh, Ryan Conway, started the running club as it is now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, yes, I, like, that sounds amazing. So um, it's just a group of 100 people on a nice night. They get together to run at the Conchi Brewing Co. Um, we go out towards Mequon, which is way out there, and then uh, come back and have beers and hang out. So it's like the perfect like Thursday night. And um, after a couple of years of doing that, Sarah showed up to a run and that was it. <laughs> She's very well, nice. welcome, welcome to Run Club, Sarah. Hi. My, uh, for the listeners out there, my, my grandma passed away a few weeks ago and uh, I received a very nice message from you guys. So I appreciate it. Um, yep. Tying it back into the, the trail there. What were you about? Oh, so, um, so we used to run out and, you, you know, like, like this time of year, it gets dark pretty early. Um, so sometimes you get stuck out there and you're running back, you need a headlamp, the whole deal. Um, there used to be these signs that would show up on random trees with no rhyme or reason. And it would, it would say something along the lines. I have a screenshot on my phone. Um, send it to me, please. After the yeah, podcast. yeah. It's, it, it's, they call themselves like the devil of the SRT and it's like all this nonsense writing. Um, and you see them plastered on a tree along the trail every so often with, with there's no, you know, discernible pattern. Wow. Yeah. Totally creepy. I experienced something similar recently when um, I was uh, freelance contracted by uh, a local website here in Country Hocken called More Than The Curve to produce a t-shirt in response to um, Dave Portnoy's review of uh, Friend Zones and Maddie Yunk, where he says, uh, it's like, what does he say? Country Hocken. It's like Maddie Yunk, but for classier people or something like that. <laughs> so I made something and it got replicated so much on the internet. And it was the first time I ever had something artistic go viral. And I couldn't have been more happier. Whereas 10 years ago, my ego would have gotten in the way and been like, I need recognition. But yeah. to be honest, it was it was just awesome. I was just like, nobody knows. It's such a cool thing, right? When yeah. Knows. yeah. Like, what is it about that? What is it about the sense of listening to something that you're not supposed to or watching something that you're not supposed to it's so crazy how the human brain works but yeah apology line podcast on i am absolutely gonna check that out 100 percent. definitely listen to it together because it's fascinating as as to for a married couple because it's not just the story of mr anonymous but um miss mrs anonymous too as well like what it was like for her to have somebody who had this project that just wouldn't stop. Like an, it's like an art project, like that wouldn't go away. Something so is this a true York. life story? Hmm? Is this a true life story? True life story, yeah. Wow, this, oh, never, that makes it like 10 times saying, cooler. I've never dipped into the, the world of like, you know, it involves serial killers, I'll just say that without, you know, like the line begins with people being like, well, you know, I crashed into somebody and I just kept going and then it goes like even crazier where it's like what what did he just say and uh, this takes 
place during a time where like this didn't exist. Like you and I talking through my computer with this microphone that I got from Amazon. You know what I mean? Like people had answer machines and I had an answer machine growing up. I know you had an answer machine growing up and you had to listen to yourself before you can hear the message, you know? Yeah, yeah. He would put the narrative out first. This is Mr. Anonymous. This is the Bobcast. Leave a message, you know? Like, I think it's, it's just, it's so fascinating to me. And I just love when there's like mystery left in this world, you know, cause you can't go discover anything new, you know what I mean? But you can make yeah. something like that, you know? That, that's why I think uh, this is going to take us on a whole different tangent, but uh, this is why I always liked Indiana Jones being in like the twenties and thirties, because it was still this time of mystery. You could mystery, still explore yeah. the Amazon and there's no satellite photos. You couldn't do that movie like that today because everything's been explored in some way. Yeah. It's, isn't it crazy too how like it seems like uh are you there sorry I yeah. Think I was, yeah yeah my mic might have cut out for a sec there's no other like it's always interesting when a new theme or a new narrative style comes out like parasite was a very interesting movie yeah you know, yeah because it really took a lot of time to come up with something as extravagant as that you know because it's something that's not explored and as a screenplay writer, I think that I have so many ideas that I know that I just shouldn't go down that route because it's, <laughs> because like, as we, I was saying before, like, you know, with running for a mayor, writing a screenplay is, isn't a sprint. It's like, you know, it's a marathon. You got to keep going. Yep. It, it, it's a, it's a commitment on, on both ends. You have to be passionate about it. You can't fake it. Um, if you fake it, the, your, your public will know, and um, you have to feel it. You have to feel it in your bones, man. Um, or yeah. else don't do it. Yeah, it's right. It's so truthful because it's like, you know, like within like, I taught my wife all about screenplay writing. And like I say to her, when we watch a movie sometimes, she's like, well, how long is it? I'm like, look, let's just give it to an inciting incident. Okay. And then we'll cut yeah. it off. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Like, she knows when it's going to happen at minute 15 or 16, 17, whatever. And it's so crazy how all those films follow formats like that. There's some that kind of go in and out, but I mean, I've always been fascinated with that. And I've tried to craft a few of myself and I'm still tinkering with stuff, you know, like um, just don't stop writing, you know? It, it, it's a muscle. You, you get better at it just like anything in life. The more you do it, the more you practice, the more you get feedback from people you respect. Um, that, that, that's what the process is all about. Yeah, it really is. It's the same thing when, um, I just can't imagine what it's like to, you know, to be somebody who is in, you know, the business and has to be ridiculed for it. Like, can you imagine like, what was the screenplay writer's name on at the time? There was a, a period of time where he wrote, uh, what was the movie with uh, Josh Brolin and, and uh, it was like a Noor LA set thing, the gangster squad. Oh, he did the gangster okay. squad and then okay. he wrote um, Argo, I think. And then he went and did work on the justice league. Like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like, huh? Yeah. And like to be lauded but for something that you worked so long on, like uh, I wouldn't watch or read the news, you know, about my stuff. Like, I don't think I would, I think I would be one of those artists to just be like, I can't handle that, you know, because it's, it's out like, in the world. Let it, let it done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, I, I think we, we do it to, to bring a little bit of ourselves to the world, to, to make the world a better place, to entertain people, to give them an escape, to say something you know, we, we don't do this work for our critics, right? We, we do it for the people. So I, I think that's, that's important to keep in mind too. Yeah, it is true. You know, you got to do it for the people, you know I mean? 
that's basically what's going on with you um, running, you know, for re-election. You do it for the people, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and let me tell you how different it is running as mayor as opposed to just some guy four years ago and people answer the door and they're like creaking behind. I'm like, oh, hey, it's the mayor. And then it's like a whole different conversation. Oh, wow, yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's that is pretty cool. Different experience. So, so like you get like the gambit of emotions, like who's this guy? <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you got the mask on. It's like a whole thing. And then you're like, oh, that's it's Mayor Aronson, uh, you know, signed my petition. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. That's great. I think that's so, so different. Cool. So, so different. Yeah. I'm taking pride right now in being able to recognize people with their masks on and calling them and saying, so Hey, I'm so, so my friend yeah. Lenny the other day. And like, he was like, how did you know it was me? I'm like, dude, like I'm trained right now in the arts of eye contact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it weird? I, I, I can't recognize anybody. I'm terrible. I think I, I recognize also too, like the way certain people walk, you know, yeah. like, yeah. I've been door dashing a lot because I was losing my mind working from home on videos and stuff. And I was just like, I need to be around people again, you know, and I've been picking up a lot of food from the mall. And uh, yeah. I'll say it again to here on the, the cast, man. I love that mall, man. I hope it, I mean, like they put all that stuff in there and then pandemic hits, nobody's going to the, you know, to all the I, I miss the CVS being in there because I could get candy before the movies. Like, yeah, my wife worked there. At the CVS? Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. Oh, I used to go to that camera also shop. also asked out by one of my friends on the intercom there. Oh <laughs> I've never talked, I talked to him about that, but I mean, dude, that mall had everything. Yeah. Had it all, you know, and there's so much history. I mean, that, what I was saying before, that 1-800-AX-KILL, that was where I saw the sticker at the Supercade, which hmm. I've mentioned, I believe, I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but I put out a post on Talking Plymouth about it. You know, I went to do something on the Supercade. I was looking for photographs, you know, of stuff and uh, I spoke with the manager inside Pertucci's, you know, because I go oh. in there a lot and uh, yeah. he showed me that the original arcade lights are still in there, the red no way. ones that were like, uh, I forget what you call them when they're like hidden, you know what I mean? The, yeah. Whatever that is. But um, when you spend enough time in there, like I'm a very visual person. It's weird. Like I can sit there and be like, oh yeah, that was the long alley. You walk down, there's all the cigarette butts on the floor. Wow. Little combat was right there, you know, and it's just... I'm so nostalgic for like uh, that time period as I get older. And it's like, yeah. man, dude, that's our legacy. You know, I, I miss, uh, I miss walking um, a, a into the arcade and seeing everyone crowded over Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and um, whatever Tekken game was coming out. And oh, dude, the Tekken games. Yeah. The, PM and the, the way that that console was built was so friendly for, for people to play yeah. because you had, you know, Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo. So yep. I believe you could play a Splinter too, right? On the far right? Ooh, I've never seen that. That would be crazy. You know, they're, they're, um, they're actually uh, doing it again with Seth Rogen and uh, Goldberg. Um, huh. They're, they're in charge of the franchise now. And I okay. believe it's going to be a combination of uh, both live action and animation, which, you know, that tells you something about the plot, but. So I, I've been watching Preacher, which Seth Rogen produces, and that is such a perfect wavelength of like dark action and comedy. So if they can mix that with, with the Turtles, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I was so fascinated with as a kid, just because. Yeah. It was such a vibrant toy line too. Like, you oh know, my god, the yeah. Colors were just so um, the packaging, you know. Like, yep. even with He Man, He Man had that same thing too. But like, when TMNT came out, it was the first time I ever saw that 
very um, like star dusted primary color type look where it's like so bright that you you cannot look at it you know and then every turtle was like a slightly different color green (laughs) which blew my mind at the time yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the original movie i mean i posted something on my instagram recently i'm so nostalgic it's sick i wish i can get paid to be a nostalgia like a reviewer of places or whatever i don't that there was a place in roxborough that always had the good movies that weren't playing here in Plymouth Meeting. And I believe it was the, I can't recall, it's next to the House of Bargains in the Roxborough Shopping Center, which now has Target and Popeyes. Yes, okay, yes. And um, I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles there because it wasn't playing around here. And the feeling back in the day when that film's coming out and it's not down the place, but then all of a sudden you would like in the back of the newspaper, scroll down and be like, oh, right, oh it's yes. playing here, dad. Can we go here six, seven miles away? And he'd be like, okay, son, we'll go. That's your world. That's what you had to do back in the day to have a good time. You know, you had to you look have at- to open the paper, look at the times, absolutely. And there was so much information in there about film. Yeah. There was, you know, full page spreads for the longest time up until we were, you know, like late teenagers, I believe, and it's just yeah, slowly yeah. dwindled away. But I mean, yeah. that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cinema presentation was sold out, and there was people sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor, like in the front row, like looking up at the screen. Oh, that's so cool! And I recently rewatched it with my uh, my kid, and I was surprised. It holds up. It, it's the, the the production of it. They really they try to do something different, you know. There's a couple of parts that are like uh, politically incorrect, but I mean, so was a lot of films back in that day. You know, I I love seeing, so you mentioned old style New York and you still feel that in that first Turtles movie where it's still kind of graffiti and crime ridden. It's a whole different New York from today. Like the Joker, the Joker was great uh, to, to feel that grit, but it felt, you know, it was, you could tell it was New York, but I mean like, you know, Gotham is New York, whatever, but yeah, something about that. I also feel, you know, it's funny you say that because it's like New York City too, like uh, in the early 80s, you know, like the, there's darkness, but there's also a film that I recently rewatched, which paints New York City both as dark and uh, a very vibrant, cuddly place to live. Mm-hmm. And that film is Three Men and a Baby. Now, <laughs> there's cocaine in baby's cribs in this film. There is just pure child endangerment there's so many different things but it was beloved at the yeah. time yeah could not get away with that today no. God. not happen nope. no i also like it's something that like uh you know we're as we move forward i'm all for uh it's a, it's a fine line for me because like as an artist like i i believe firmly in freedom of speech but i also believe in social reform you know, and it's it's a weird place to be because I know a lot of my listeners feel the same way I do. You want change, you know, but also too, like, do you do you think that like f- speech has become something else? You know, like I was just thinking about it today. It's like when they wrote the laws, freedom of speech, cool. I'm talking, you're talking, but they didn't think about Twitter, Facebook, and all these utilities now that are coming out where people are using yeah. it as social platforms. So we, we have to keep something in mind, right? So freedom of speech means you can't be arrested for, for talking about like the government or being political. It, it doesn't mean that you can't be taken off Facebook or Twitter. It doesn't mean you can't be fired for your job. It just means that you can't be arrested by the government. So we have to keep that in mind 
um, you are using a private platform and they have their rules and you won't be arrested unless you break into the Capitol. Um, but, but for just tweeting, they will take you down and, and that is the limit, right? Um, so we have to keep in mind what the intention of that law is. And, and it's, it, remember, we're, we're, it was a very different time. You could not speak out against the king of England, right? That you'd be thrown in jail. That's what they were trying to avoid. It wasn't that you, could, you can't like be out there and, and not get fired. So we have to be careful with that definition. Yeah, it's a very interesting point you bring up there with uh, good old King George and all those crazy things that were put in place to make us separate. Yeah. Um, I guess, what was my question? I had a train of thought, but then you said something that was profound <laughs> around it. And I was like, wait a minute. So, so like, yeah. So I'm just thinking though that we've always screwed technology. Like yeah. every, every time technology comes to the, the forefront of something, we... We, we, we tend to, like, case in point, Napster. Everyone got screwed on that deal because the music company didn't realize, oh, this is going to be how they're going to consume music. We should team up with them. Instead, they went to court. They went to, you know, all this stuff. Yep. Lars Ulrich doing this thing, you know what I mean? Like, basically, you know, Metallica, <laughs> we want to have this. Like, dude, no, you messed up. Now, with Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Thriller, all these different things. You have people using it as a way of communication, as a way of free speech. People can kick them off, yes, because they're private companies. But at this point, being that it's such a universally global thing, don't you think that perhaps these things should become utility of the government? Like, I, I just, I feel like it's headed for disaster because of that, because people are profiting off of they're profiting off of ideas and saying who, who should be on there, who shouldn't be on there. Because like this probably could be controversial to some. And I know a lot of my listeners are very strife with anger and I'm trying to live a life where I don't wish harm upon others. Nope. But I never wanted President Trump to die. I never want him, you know, like I never wanted anything bad to happen to him. Yes, he's done some bad shit. But when you want to hate somebody and want bad to happen, it doesn't fix the problem. No. How, how can we fix the problem starting with country hockey? So, you know, my, my hope is that people are, are watching the way I, I, I work with the position. I, I work with everybody. It, like, I don't care what party you are. Like, come, let's hang out. Let's put it on an event together. Let, let's get people drunk. Let's feed them. Let's give them a workout, some mental health training. It, it doesn't matter what um, the, 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 the organization behind it is. We are all Conchahokan. Um, Bob, you living in Plymouth meeting, you are Conchahokan, right? This town doesn't end at West 12th Avenue and East 12th Avenue. Uh, we're all part of the same community. You're, you're my neighbor. And that has to be the mindset. It, it just has to be. Um, and my hope is, you know, we keep things positive. It, it doesn't matter if someone goes after me negatively, we ignore it. And we, we go keep moving forward with the things we're doing. And I'm hoping that spreads. I'm hoping people are like, well, that looks like he's successful. I'm gonna, just going to do that instead of being horrible. <laughs> um, and, and that's always been our hope is just follow us and, and do what we do because it's working. I believe 100% in that statement. It's, um, it, it, if you meet people with positivity who are meeting you with a negative force, it's going to change things up. It's always going to happen. Um, 
long-winded story that I haven't told yet on the, on the story. I'll try to summarize this quick. T, I love you. My friend TJ asked me to be his best man. Sweet deal. Second time I've been a best man. Second speech I'm going to deliver. Can't wait. Some people don't like making speeches. I love memorizing them in the shower. I love it. It's so much fun. <laughs> I'm also in charge of the bachelor party during a pandemic. Very, you know, stressful thing that I had to get done. He's like, T, send me a list of numbers, all the guys you want to go, right? Start a group chat on my iPhone, sweet. Then I noticed that TJ's stepbrother is starting to act a little strange in this group chat. I'm like, this can't be him. He's making threats against me, talking negatively about my mother without going into explicit details. And it goes on and on so much that some of the guys in the group chat whom I've known since high school hit me up privately and say, hey man, who's this guy? Is he going on the trip? What's going on with them? And I defended, you know, uh, TJ's stepbrother the whole time. I was like, he's a nice guy, dude. This, he must just be going through something. I don't know what's going on. And it went on and went on. And then finally I told TJ, I was like, yo, man, I just got to ask you something. And he's like, oh, dude, I gave you the wrong number. And I'm like, well, whose number did you give me, dude? And this was like a month ago, right? Okay. And about two days ago, I get a rogue phone call come through and I pick him up because I don't have a voicemail. What's the point? Text me, dude. I see you're calling. I don't even know. You know what I mean? I'll call you and find out. People can yell at me for that, whatever. Like, so I pick up and uh, a voice goes, uh, hey man, uh, sorry, I wasn't, you know, I didn't pay for the bachelor party in time. I was wondering if it wasn't too late if I could make it. And I was like, yeah, sorry, man. I don't know who this is. I don't have your number saved in my very friendly, uh, country Bobby neighbor voice. And <laughs> then they go on a tangent, start screaming. Yeah, you, you know, I don't want to curse here on the show because I know a lot of people from, you know, country have families and stuff, but they went into explicit details that, you know, using the F word over and over again, threatening me uh, that I sent all these like uh, uh, lewd pictures and like threatening me with like uh, their, their dads who were, were lawyers and all this stuff. And I just sat there and took it and took it and took it and took it started to think about it some more and just let them go. And then like, it got quiet on the line. And I said to them, are you done? <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I, I was enjoying this, you know, because to be honest with you kids, it takes a lot of balls to do what you did. You know what I mean? Like calling me weeks later and keeping the gag going, like there is hope for the, you know, the lost. <laughs> and then they all changed their voice. And like, they went from being so negative and like, taking out all their anger on me as a prank phone call to like having like a normal conversation, somebody in their early forties and somebody who's a teenager. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like driving around making prank phone calls. That's how bored you are. And like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it was such a cool moment because it was like, yeah. we connected in such a different way because most people would have just screamed at them on the phone or blocked them. Yeah. And I told them uh, at one point, like when I thought they might have been a little bit older, because I think they were disguising their voices. But then when I heard their voices crack, I told them, like, I invited them to the bachelor party at one point. I said, you guys are funny, dude. You should come. <laughs> and then, like, you know, later I was like, nah, you guys, you, you, I was like, text me all when you're 18. I'll put you on my show. And they're like, what's yeah, the show? Yeah. And I just click on up, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it was a great moment. And I believe very yeah. firmly in what you're saying there, because it, it's how community comes together, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, I'll get um, every so often an email uh, that's that's just all curse words, <laughs> you know, about yeah. whatever. And uh, I, I make it a point to respond with whatever the issue is and just be totally neutral and just ignore all the cursing. Um, half the time, I will hear nothing back. 
And half the time they'll actually say, well, sorry, I appreciate the response. I'm going through a real stressful time. You know, I'll make sure to contact blah, blah, blah. Wow. Yeah. See, see this, yeah. that's what I'm talking about is like, I think that it's what's missing in our political field is yeah. compassion because it's like money has, you know, it's gotten in the way of everything. And, yeah. you know, one could argue that money led us towards this pandemic. We didn't shut down globalization. We didn't set down the world market because we couldn't, because we're so in tune to it. And we're so not in tune with compassion, talking to your neighbors. That's yeah. why I love DoorDash, man. I got a great rating on my phone right now just because <laughs> I'll send them messages and stuff. And like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's fun. You know what I mean? To yeah, I've said before here on my show, it's just odd to me that when you go somewhere, every person you see, you don't say hello to or make eye contact with. Yeah. This whole thing with not knowing somebody is just, I've always struggled with it since I was a kid. And now during the pandemic, when you can't see their faces, just their eyes, that's why I'm calling them out. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, So I, I think we've gone backwards because now it's like, you can't even look at people. People just kind of look away, give you that six feet. And I feel like we've taken a step back with, with yeah, like, right, right. neighbors. It's such a bummer. It is a bummer because it's like, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, it wasn't that way thousands of years ago when the population was so small. You would, uh, you know, what was the, I've always heard this, uh, oh, the handshake. The handshake became synonymous with uh, signifying that you weren't ca carrying a weapon. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, that's kind of like, you know, where we came from from there and hmm. so many different, you know, facets towards like, you know, communication too. It's so weird, like from that, you know, um, gesture of, um, you know, showing that you don't have a weapon, we then took it to this level where it, it became like, there, there's a type of guy you can shake their hand and like, they feel like they, they want to like break your hand off. You know what I mean? Like I remember like gigs, like I'd be playing bass and like somebody, Hey man, like so great to meet you in the band. Hey, and just squeeze my hand. Like, dude, don't touch yeah. the real estate here, dude. You know what I mean? Like I need these. <laughs> That's right. And like, I'm super stoked that the pandemic took away the handshake because I always thought it was just a very strange thing to do because you know, there's so many different things that go inside your hand that are just gross. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you know what I mean? like yeah. it, it just shouldn't happen. And it's like, we did that because we wanted to feel comfortable knowing that the other person doesn't have a weapon. Their yeah. weapons could be words too. Think of, think of that. That's true. You know what yeah. I mean? Like somebody yeah. emailing you and saying the F word wouldn't necessarily come up and shake your hand because they have strife or anger against you. And it's like, it's just crazy, man. I just, I, I find that it's fascinating that the majority of people who have issues or people who are not introspective to look inside themselves. Like you were talking about earlier, like mental health. Like I know Sarah does lots of things, yeah. you know, in the area to support that. And I think that that's an important factor that we need to look at going forward into the future. And that's, I don't know. I mean, there's no such thing of it, but like we need mental police, you know, we need somebody who can go and talk to somebody who is exhibiting, you know, violent tendencies, like the FBI has people who go and talk to terrorists, you know what I mean? Like, why isn't there somebody who's a good, you know, conversationalist who can help somebody? Because I think that we don't pay enough attention to that stuff, you know? We don't. Um, and what I'd like to see is mental health um, be covered and given as much seriousness as physical health. Uh, by insurance. So, you know, going to the doctor should be akin to going to a therapist if that's what you need. Um, same with the medications. If you need an antidepressant, that should be just as cheap as antibiotics, right? If you get sick. Um, 
and uh, the next frontier. So, you know, one of my actual uh, authorities that I have as mayor is to uh, be civilian oversight of the, the police department. And the next frontier is how do we bring in those mental health resources to our officers? Because oftentimes they're responding to a mental health issue and trying to ensure it doesn't escalate to a criminal issue. Um, so getting them that training, um, making sure they have the resources they need to, you know, not just pepper spray or handcuffs, but, but the number to the suicide prevention hotline or whatever service we have through the county that they can direct them to. Um, that is, is the next step and how we bring, um, you know, that, that service element to policing instead of just, just, you know, the justice element. Yeah. I think that's important, you know, um, recognizing somebody who has, you know, autism approaching them, you know, with, uh, yep. Yep. lights and stuff like that. There's so much yep. sensitivity involved and we really have to take a look at it because I believe for a long time in this country, mental health wasn't looked at something that was a problem. And I think, you know, during this time, I was, I was just thinking this, taking my dog for a walk the other day. And it's just like, I oftentimes try to put myself into the, the role of the person who has so much anger and like, you know, I guess regression to try to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like what's going on there? And like, I, I just find that it's crazy that they spend so much time being angry that they're not looking outward towards like, you know, things that could help them. Like you were saying, like, um, you know, antidepressants or like therapy during the pandemic. I, uh, I went to therapy. Um, I just recently concluded like about, I guess it was like eight or nine months I did. And, uh, it was, it was cool. Yeah. Um, doing this podcast is very similar to therapy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It is. It feels really good to do it. And like, I just, I've been thinking about that lately too. It's just like, wow, it's like so much fun to, to chat, even though I'm going through a computer and talking to somebody, I missed the physical location. Yep. Glad I kept going, you know? Yeah, it, it's important. And um, I, I know your listeners uh, not only appreciate being able to connect with you this way, but being able to educate themselves about people in the community that, you know, they may want to connect with down the line. So it's really important that you continue this through the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, there needs to be more politicians like you. Um, like I said, you know, at the, the beginning of the show, it, you taught me screenplay writing and like, that really is something where it's like, you're teaching somebody to chase after their dreams. You're not right. teaching somebody to become, you know, construction worker who builds houses, you know, I mean, you know what that future is going to entail. It's going to entail a long work day and, you know, some good cash. But when you get into screenplay writing, it's like somebody has a dream. They want to do something. They see something in themselves that they don't in others. You did that when you became the mayor. So I think yeah, I thank you yeah. before, but you know, I mean, like I thank you again because that was a great source of inspiration. I, I appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate that you were the, probably the first person that shared my announcement four years ago when I ran. <laughs> yeah, man. So you yeah, said, I, I believe in, so I believe cool. in I just was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I believe it. I think the Harvey, Harvey yeah. Denman from the yeah. Dark Knight. Um, speaking of um, perseverance and inspiration, uh, we are, ha- we haven't announced yet who's playing, but we are going to be uh, teaming up again to bring Contra Hawken either a live performance in the street, God willing, or another virtual thing. Yep. Um, I'm talking about the Country Hawk and Arts Festival. Yeah, uh, and so we got canceled last year because of the pandemic. 
uh, live, but man, did we put on a great show online. It went to one o'clock in the morning. It was insane. I had people texting me like, I, I don't even know what's going on. There's so much content right now. <laughs> so, a lot of content, yeah. Um, so they, yeah, they appreciated it, Bob. They really did. The crazy thing is uh, that last performance that went on, I didn't realize it was a DJ. I mean, I knew it was a DJ, but I, I just didn't put two and two together that Facebook uh, yeah. checks copyright, right? So yeah, like, if yeah. you're playing a song on there, you get these notifications. Did you get them? I did, yeah. Dude, they were from all over the world, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. For months, and I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it, but I had a great time doing that. Stoked to yeah. bring yeah. more art to uh, country because, you know, absolutely. I just think that's the coolest thing, you know, that there's a, a new mayor. Definitely, you know, go out and vote for him when the time comes. Um, and definitely check into um, their newsletter, you know. It's great. Um, they send you stuff. Uh, there's also events that are going on in Country Hawk. And where can they... Uh, Check that information out. So just just go to any of my social media, which is just my name um, on Instagram or Facebook. And um, you know, before I send my newsletter out, I'll, I'll put a post up saying, you know, click here to sign up, and that's it. Sweet, uh, it's been yeah. a great hour. Um, always enjoy shop with you. Uh, yeah. You know, we should write something together one day. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I so I would love to, and I would love to bring back our um, our Halloween show. Yes, we will. You know, I'm sorry I missed it last year, but I guess. I don't know what it was I was actually crazy. in the process of like getting out of like moving all my equipment home just because I mm. just I, I was just like I, I started to like teeter with the fact that yeah maybe I should bring live guests in and then I had a scare once where I thought I had an exposure and I was just like it's just not worth it man but it's yeah, like it's not we're doing well now it seems like people are you know yep. more in tune with the times you know don't forget to make eye contact with people. Don't forget yes. to tell people you yes. love them. Don't forget to help your neighbors. Don't forget to help the stray cat. Don't look up into the sky for Superman because he doesn't <laughs> exist. But you can either be Supergirl or Superman. That's um, right. That's right. Definitely, uh, I believe in Yanni Aronson, and I hope that uh, you continue to make Country Hawk and great. Well, thanks, Bob, and and thanks everyone. It's it's been an awesome ride. Um, let's let's keep it going. Sweet. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast.